Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her foundation, says she's seen more health issues with the dog's joints, odors, and health than ever before. And after doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can look to improve any dog's health. What she discovered is that the way many dog foods are made can actually create toxins that could be wrecking our dog's health. And this is true for many premium brands. Fortunately, she found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how anyone can do this same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. Now, my dog, Phoebe, is the queen of our house, and I can tell you that her health is extremely important to us. She is a part of our family. I watched the video, y'all, and I was amazed by the things I didn't know that could impact your dog's health. This 20-minute video is packed full of tips that I've already started with my dog, Phoebe. I'm noticing more energy, healthier skin and coat. If you want to keep your dog healthy and happy, go to badlandsfood.com RLRC and watch Catherine's video right now. Again, that's B-A-D-L-A-N-D-S-F-O-O-D.com slash R-L-R-C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. It's Monday, November 27th. This is Real Life, Real Crime Daily, and I'm Jim Chapman. I'm Woody Overton. And I'm Mike Agavina. And we have some stories to cover today in the world of crime. Three teens in New Orleans have pled guilty to a carjacking and the killing of an elderly woman in South Korea. A true crime fan takes her curiosity just a bit too far. We have an update on that story that we first brought to you in June. And Derek Chauvin, y'all. The imprisoned police officer who was convicted in the killing of George Floyd was stabbed in prison this past week. We've got details on all that. Armed EMT stopped an axe-wielding woman from smashing through the station door in Kentucky. So y'all got to hear this story. In Alabama, a prison warden is the subject of 40 lawsuits. We're going to tell you why this is not as shocking as you may think. A Paralympic champion convicted 11 years ago in the murder of his girlfriend is scheduled for release on parole in January, and how that is happening is up for discussion today. A Tennessee police officer is recovering a bit from an altercation during a traffic stop in which his ear was bit off, Mike Tyson style. We're going to tell you all about that. (laughs) Woody is bringing you an update from his recent story of a homeowner who fended off attackers with a gun in Los Angeles. And Tiffany Haddish, a Hollywood actress who has been arrested for DUI. Mike's got a story on her, not only about the arrest, but for those of us that may not be familiar, who Tiffany Haddish is. So, 
Of course, kinky crimes, dumb criminals, and some WTF are going to round out the show today. But before we get into all that, how was everyone's Thanksgiving? Good. Different yeah. for me. Yeah. Yep. I ate a lot, cooked a couple turkeys, like I said I would. And it was turkey day. Turkey day. Right. It was ham day for me. You <laughs> your spread was quite impressive, as well as the musical accompaniment. Yeah, of your, uh, that's right. Of your uh, your spread, a little holiday music to go along. I was up in Jackson having Jackson Mississippi. Thanksgiving up there with the uh, never had Thanksgiving in a uh, I don't even know what we call where he is now. I guess a rehab facility that was yeah. interesting as we were sneaking shit through a back door there, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, and then uh, at my brother-in-law's house, which was very, very nice, and got to do some shooting up there for the first time with my new gun. Uh-oh. He's armed, ladies and gentlemen. Armed uh, and not dangerous well, at this point. but more dangerous than you think. That's right. right. Well, if a very, 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 very large person was coming at me from a very, 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 very short distance. <laughs> I'm reasonably confident I could hit them. I'm pretty sure if you pull out that pistol and start blasting away, they're going to run. So you'd be safe either way. Well, and let's, let's hope that right. the plan works out that way. And that being said, let's get into some true crime time for Monday. And y'all, it is just after the holidays. So we're actually going to be dropping this episode just a little bit late today. But Jim Chapman, I'll get it out to you. ASAP. I'm loving Appreciate each and every one of y'all. We're starting off in New Orleans. Three teens have pled guilty this week to carjacking a 73 year old woman and dragging her more than a block with her arm still stuck in the vehicle. A fourth faces trial. And we brought you this story. Uh, it's probably been about three months ago, but 17 year old. Uh, Brynja Baker, 16-year-old Lanira Theophil, and 16-year-old Markel Curtis entered the plea for attempted manslaughter in connection with Linda Fricky's death. They were initially charged with second-degree murder, and they were all sentenced to 20 years in prison. Fricky's sister said regarding the plea for them to plead guilty and say they want to do the 20 years as a relief to us. The fourth suspect, 18-year-old John Honore, pled not guilty to second-degree murder. His trial actually starts today, y'all. To refresh you on this case, we reported uh, this was back in March, actually. On March 21st, 2022, at 1.35, the New Orleans Police Department uh, were called to a North Scott Street regarding a car jacking and found Fricky on the ground unresponsive. New Orleans police said Fricky's arm was detached from her body and she was pronounced dead at the scene. Police determined the four teens carjacked Fricky, which caused her to be thrown from the vehicle during the commission of the offense. Then the suspect suspects fled in a Nissan. Then New Orleans Police Department Superintendent Sean Ferguson said during a press conference he believed Freaky was tangled in her seatbelt, which caused her arm to be severed from her body and dragged during the incident. All four of the suspects were charged as adults, and Honoré uh, allegedly played a bigger role than the other three in the carjacking, including reportedly beating Freaky as he pushed her out of the car. Mm -hmm. If he gets convicted, Honoré will serve life in prison with the possibility of parole after 25 years. And Curtis said the court said to the in court, I wish I could go back and change the outcome. And Fricky seemed like such a nice 
lady. Yeah, right. And I bet they took the 20 years, uh, and they're going to testify against Andre. Yeah, and this is big news right now. Look, this this lady, uh, in all reports that I've seen, was just, uh, you know, a salt-of-the-earth yeah. uh, grandmother. Nobody deserves to have their arm ripped off and murdered during being carjacked because you're a bunch of punks. Yeah, it it really is disgusting. And that fourth, uh, that fourth suspect does go on trial starting today. They're expecting it to last about three days. So we'll keep you, we'll keep you updated. I look for him to be found guilty pretty fast. It's actually a pretty quick trial, isn't it? From uh, I would think, I think so. Uh, You're absolutely correct on that. But being the fact that they have. You know, cut a deal with the other three, and they're going to testify against him. It's not a whole lot of motions to be done, you know. No, it's good they actually get to the trial that fast. That's yeah, right, absolutely correct. Um, justice, right? And if you could stop it, they say it must be swift and certain. And that's the only problem is it's never swift or certain. But to South Korea now, I'm pretty sure I'm not the South Korean professional. Jim, can you give me a uh, <laughs> South Korea is a tough so, one. Con- content trumps <laughs> right, geography. Right, content trumps geography. And have you ever had South? You ever had kimchi? I have not. Yeah, yeah. it's the rotten cabbage that they like buried under the ground. It's actually pretty good. It just stinks like shit. But all right, <laughs> so let's go to South Korea, uh, Korea, y'all. Where we first told you about the story back in June about the psycho who took her true crime fandom a, a bit too far. A deranged true crime fan from South Korea who told police she savagely stabbed and butchered an English tutor out of curiosity while pretending to be a high school student has been sentenced to life in prison. Prosecutors assault the death penalty for Jung Yo Jung, 23, but she begged the court for leniency, claiming that she suffered from hallucinations and a host of other mental issues. Um, District Court Judge Kim Top spared Jung's life, but rejected her claims that the monstrous killing was triggered by mental illness, given that the crime had been carefully planned and carried out. Jung was convicted of murder, desecration, and abandonment of courts five months after she was indicted for brutally killing and dismembering a 26-year-old woman she met through an app in May. Prosecutors argued that Jung was obsessed with true content crime television shows and books and decided to kill someone in real life to satisfy her curiosity about murder. They, um, the convicted killer who was described as an unemployed recluse who lived with her grandfather had used her cell phone and checked out books from a library to do research on about how to hide a body. Jung had spent months looking for prospective victims through an app that connects parents to tutors and, and contact more than contact more than fifty people, mostly women, or finding one who lived alone and offered lessons at home. Posing as the mother of a ninth grader who needed help in English, Jung arranged for her bogus daughter to come to the tutor's home for a study session. She then donned the school uniform she bought online and went to the lady's address and stabbed her to death more than one hundred times in a frenzied attack delivering blows even after the victim had died. Jung left the slain tutor's home to buy trash bags and bleach before returning to dismember the body, including cutting off her fingers in a bid to make her difficult to identify by her fingerprints, right? The 23-year-old then stuffed the remains into a suitcase and took a taxi to the Nakdong River 
where she disposed of the grisly evidence in a secluded part. In order to make it look like the victim had disappeared, Joan kept the victim's mobile phone, ID card, and wallet in attempting to commit a perfect crime, the police said. But Joan's plot unraveled when the cabbie became suspicious and called the police about his passenger who said uh, she had dumped a bloodstained suitcase in a remote area by the river. Now, what do you fucking think a cabbie's going to know? Yeah, can I get a cab? I got a bloodstained suitcase. Yeah. And, and hope I stop by the river. Let me throw this shit away. It's ketchup. So after Joan was arrested, <laughs> she initially told the police that she had only moved the victim's body after she was killed by someone else. Later, she claimed that she had accidentally killed the tutor during an argument. Ultimately, she confessed to the heinous killing, blaming it on her interest in the true crime genre. And on Friday, the judge who sentenced Young said the murder had spread fear in society and that one can become a victim for no reason and it incited general distrust. Mm. Right? And my wife used to teach kids in China at night um, English, and, and a lot of times the parents would sit in, or most of the times the parents would sit in and watch the sessions and the parents are actually learning too so i get this uh but thank god she didn't do in in call yeah appointments right yeah she tried to go with accidentally on the hundred plus stabbings yeah well no she said somebody else killed her well that was first but then she said it happened accidentally yeah yeah you know (laughs) Because I'm crazy and I was accidentally stabbed 107 or and cut her body times. up, and cut her fingers off, and just, ain't no way to accidentally yeah. do that. Yeah, yeah. I'm, and I'm sure the meticulous planning uh, called for the cab. Exactly, the- that's that's the genius of it, right? Call a cabbie, got a blood soaked mm-hmm. suitcase, and I would, let me throw it in the river. Yeah, she may be that lone exception out there to the uh, she might be the high Asian IQ uh, right. rumor. Right. Yeah, absolutely right. Do they have death penalty there? What are they doing to her? I know. They said life in prison. I don't know. Uh, so maybe they don't have I thought they penalty. did really I know China, brutal uh, China death penalty. Does it? Kills them in, in North Korea. They, they kill them quick. Yeah, they got... <laughs> they don't even have a trial for the death penalty there. And then, then they bill your family the cost of the bullet. Wow. So. Well, let's... Uh, Let's turn our attention over to uh, Derek Chauvin, who is the Minneapolis police officer who was convicted in a Minneapolis court of murdering George Floyd back in Memorial Day of 2020. Doesn't seem like it was that long ago. Um, Chauvin is a former Minneapolis police officer. He was convicted of the murder of George Floyd. He was stabbed by another inmate and seriously injured on Friday the day after Thanksgiving at a federal prison in the state of Arizona. The attack happened at the federal correctional institution in Tucson, which is a medium security federal prison. Uh, But it's like many others. It has been plagued with security lapses and staffing shortages over the last few years. This was not the first uh, such incident at that prison. The Bureau of Prisons confirmed that, quote, an incarcerated person was assaulted at FCI Tucson at around 1230 local time on Friday. They didn't release his name right away. In fact, it was a leak that uh, uh, that then uh, spread and got picked up by uh, the AP, and they were the first ones to report it, and eventually everybody else, uh, every other news org started reporting it. But, but details are... Uh, 
are, are really slim even days later now as we sit here on Monday morning. We know that at first they thought uh, – at first he had to be resuscitated. They thought that uh, that he might not survive. They have revised that to a general uh, likely to recover from his injuries, but nothing specific about the extent of the injuries and uh, and exactly what um, what kind of surgeries or uh, treatment he has had while – while he has been in the hospital, his mother has been uh, very loud lately in a uh, uh, in a number of ways, and so she is out there very active uh, about this because she has been uh, pushing hard for his uh, for his protection. the uh, The prison said no employees were injured, and the FBI was notified. Chauvin is forty seven years old now. Uh, he was sent to this FCI Tucson from a maximum security Minnesota state prison in August of 22 to simultaneously serve a 21-year federal sentence for violating Floyd's civil rights and a 22-and-a-half-year sentence for second-degree murder. His lawyer, Eric Nelson, had advocated for keeping him out of general pop and away from other inmates, anticipating that he might be a target. Yeah, that's pretty much a good thing. <laughs> yeah. That was, yeah. Well— Expected cop in prison for murdering an African American man. Cop in prison, period. Right, right. Well, and and when he was in Minnesota, he was kept in solitary for uh, for his own protection for most of the time he was there. It's coincidental that this happened when it happened because I happened to be watching the brand new documentary series, which is called "The Fall of Minneapolis." right as this was occurring. And I would just recommend that uh, listeners to the show, if you have interest in understanding uh, the case from, from all sides, take an hour of your time and, and watch the, uh, the, the fall of Minneapolis. It is um, God, it's, it is a, it is a tough watch, and this is a very, very tough case. Uh, I know we've talked about it a little bit in the past, uh, uh, Woody, uh, and I've shared that my impression from the very beginning was that uh, that Chauvin was innocent and should be found innocent based upon uh, the evidence, but this is another one of those cases where, uh, you know, where a judge is deciding uh, exculpatory evidence isn't going to be admissible in court where, uh, where, uh, people are, uh, are prevented from, uh, providing evidence that, uh, is important evidence in the case where findings are changed conveniently during the process. And, uh, it's all, uh, it's all detailed pretty thoroughly in this, uh, uh, in this documentary. And, you know, what I found, really is the most eye-opening thing. I won't go into the whole thing because there's a lot there, but uh, but the documentary starts with, it opens with the very first officer on scene who is called because uh, Floyd tries to pass a $20 counterfeit bill at a store in Minneapolis, and uh, the store calls the police. Two officers who are both rookies show up uh, on that call, and Floyd is parked along with... Uh, two other people in an SUV across the street from that store. And this officer King, 
who was the first officer there, knocks on the front driver's side window of Floyd's car. And all of this is captured on his body cam. But the body cam footage was not shared for months. The public never saw the body cam footage until the narrative was sewed completely into the community that, uh, that he had been choked to death. To watch that first 10, 15 minutes and see what this officer experienced the, um, and Floyd's behavior during that period, I think is critical for people to see. And I think the other big, big, big thing is that the autopsy that was done, um, uh, was done within 24 hours of his death, um, by the Hennepin County uh, medical examiner showed that, uh, that there was no damage whatsoever to his throat, his neck. There were no signs of any kind of uh, choking. His death was ruled an accident in that initial autopsy. And, uh, and then uh, they were forced to change that autopsy later um, by the FBI. And so it, it is, it, 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 I've said it before, I'll say it again. <laughs> Uh, this guy's railroaded. Other people have been, and it's just a tragic story. And the coincidence of him getting uh, attacked in jail on the uh, on the week that the, this documentary uh, premieres, I, I don't know. Uh, but could be a connection there. Don't want to get into conspiracy theories, but I think important for everyone to see this and make their own decisions based upon the, the evidence that is presented. And the, uh, the sources in this documentary are uh, unbelievably credible. Well, try by 12 and that's what the appeals process for too, right? And I do understand there's acute political emergency cases where, you know, when the cities are burning and they're trying to get things straight and all that, but uh, I believe that hopefully justice will prevail in the end if he lives that long. Right? Somebody else doesn't kill him. Right. Well, the, the, the big, big thing was this MRT, which I don't know, do they teach a uh, some kind of a restraint hold in uh, they Louisiana? They teach a whole bunch of them as, as part of defensive tactics. Are you familiar with that one? I don't know. With that, I mean, it's probably different in each state, but uh, – you you have a you have like a week worth of just hands on training on how to defend and and use different things for takedowns and stuff like that. Well, this thing, the maximal restraint technique (MRT), they called it, which was part of the training of officers in the Minneapolis Police Department. Uh, the chief of police got on the stand and claimed that it wasn't part of the training of the Minneapolis police. And then the training manuals for the Minneapolis police that clearly show that maximal restraint technique was taught were, uh, were denied as uh, evidence by the judge. The judge would not allow them to be presented to the jury at trial, despite the fact that you had a bunch of officers all stating that they had been trained in MRT and the illustrations of MRT. When you hold the illustration side by side with the live shot of, uh, of Derek Chauvin and where the pressure was being applied to, uh, 
uh, to George Floyd are identical. I mean, he was using that technique. There's, there's very little doubt of that when you, uh, when you look at it. So, um, many, many things that are disturbing that come out of this thing. Mm. Well, I have to wait to see what they do on the field, right? Yeah. Uh, it's it's called the fall of Minneapolis. It's not out there broadly. So you, uh, search it or just go to the fall of Minneapolis.com and you will find it. And, uh, you know, on the other side of that whole story is I can't believe they had him in G pop to where he could get stabbed. Oh yeah. Well, get That's actually surprising. He tired of being in, locked up in a cell and was like, mm, I can make well, it. and you, you know, they have these special prisons that they actually have prisons that are specifically for police officers, yeah, priests, people. Like that. Yeah. That, um, but they still kill each other too. <laughs> no doubt no doubt but uh but you're right if he makes it that long shout out to astro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples my allergies are throwing my whole morning off do i sound different to you I love that. You sound like, <laughs> it's that time of year though bro i sound different to me i feel like i'm in a submarine yeah well have you tried Astapro? It's faster, bro. Oh. Right? Astapro is the first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It is the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Hey, I use this, and you should too, Jim. Last weekend, I planted my garden, and it's that time of the year, and my allergies really kicked up with it, right? I use Astapro every time my nasal allergies flare up, and I'm always amazed at how fast I'm back in the game, down on those rows, playing my stuff. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to AstaproAllergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O Allergy.com. It's faster, bro. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Astapro and go. It's springtime, boys. The grass is green, the birds are chirping, and the kids will be out of school soon. That makes it the perfect time to plan a family vacation. And we know from the stories we cover that this is not exactly the time to take the family to the Caribbean. You don't want to end up in the middle of some cartel drug shootout. So this year, it's time to take an international journey. And of course, a big international trip is just one reason to learn a new language with Rosetta Stone. You might have a different one. Maybe you want to connect with family or friends living overseas. Maybe you want to acquire a new skill for work or better understand a certain culture. Rosetta Stone has helped me have fun with my mother and at least have partial conversations in Italian after only a few lessons. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users in 25 languages offered. Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and many more. Rosetta Stone immerses you in many ways. No English translation, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language. Intuitive process, you pick up a language naturally. Designed for long-term retention. Speech recognition. The true accent feature is like having a personal trainer for your accent. Rosetta Stone 
is convenient and an amazing value. That's right, Woody. A lifetime membership has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Real Life Real Crime and Daily Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. Sayonara. Uh, all right, we'll go to Kentucky, and an armed con- armed Kentucky EMTs have subdued a woman accused of attacking a man with an axe before she smashed at, at a door uh, at the emergency service station for those EMTs. The Olive Hill Police Department said Kelly Boggs, 44, no relation to Wade, attacked an unidentified man with an axe. At 1 a.m. on Friday, the male victim was left with serious injuries to his face and was found in a ditch behind the Carter County EMS station's west base. Police said that after Boggs attacked the man, she made her way to the EMT station and smashed at a glass door. A group of EMTs were sleeping inside the station at the time of the incident. The EMT workers jumped into action to subdue the woman, holding her at gunpoint until police arrived. Boggs, who is from a neighboring town called Grayson, was charged with assault and criminal mischief, and she's being held at the Corner County Detention Center. The injured victim was taken to a local hospital where he's being treated for serious injuries. And I guess this woman had too much turkey on Thanksgiving. Too she picked up something. an axe and and went to work. Too much of something. Right? But how about, the, carving. Yeah, how about the EMTs being armed? Right. It kind of yeah, surprised me. Well, it doesn't surprise me nowadays. It's, yeah. I mean, I don't blame them. But, right. you know, uh, uh, thank goodness they were. Because you, you got this woman. Can you imagine sleeping in your EMT station and an right. axe is coming through a window? Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Crazy, Make crazy. all types these days. Mm-hmm. And it always does. And yeah. that was Kentucky, right? That so was Kentucky. I'm going to take you probably to the longest story I'm ever going to do. In Alabama, <laughs> um, a prison warden uh, who told inmate Daniel Williams' family that the 22-year-old died in a drug overdose has been the subject of more than 40 lawsuits alleging brutality and a routine failure to protect prisoners. Williams' family's alleged that their son was beaten, tortured, and raped for days. And one of the dozens of complaints pinned against Warden Joseph Headley, 62 years old. Daniel Williams was just two weeks away from the end of a 12-month sentence for second-degree theft in Staten Correctional Facility in Elmore, Alabama, when he was found unresponsive. Y'all, you remember I told you about this part last mm-hmm. last week. Uh, he was declared brain dead on arrival at Jackson Hospital and taken off life support on November 5th and died four days later, the day, actually the day of his scheduled release. Warden Headley informed his family that the young man had suffered an overdose, but according to the Equal Justice Initiative, a nurse told them Williams had been kidnapped, bound, and assaulted and sold out by another inmate for two or three days. So a Daily Mail investigation has uncovered a litany of legal complaints lodged against Headley, 
The suits filed in both federal and district courts stretched back more than a decade and encompassed violations allegedly perpetrated by him during his tenure as a warden of three different Alabama prisons. Inmate Sharon Fuquan Goodwin, currently serving 60 years for the first degree murder robbery, was a uh, I'm sorry, for first degree robbery, was a prisoner in the St. Clair Correctional Facility when he filed his complaint against Headley. According to Goodwin, an officer assigned to his unit called a code for assistance when he noticed several inmates surrounding Goodwin carrying prison-made weapons. Goodwin stated that he informed two further officers that he was threatened by several inmates in a drugs dispute. He claimed that Headley was already aware of the situation but refused to take the appropriate steps to transfer him. According to Goodwin, he made repeated requests to the ward to be transferred, but it was all ignored, y'all. Ultimately, ultimately, an inmate tricked open his cell door and slashed Goodwin. In common with many of the complaints lodged by prisoners without legal representation, Goodwin was ultimately dismissed by the court on a technicality on the occasion for failure to file in a timely fashion. Philip Dwayne Aaron is a lifer currently serving out his time for murder in Bullock Correctional Facility. He was a prisoner in Staten when he alleges he was severely beaten by correctional officers, leaving him with broken bones that required pinning and lacerations that required stitches. He's also filed suit against Headley. In Aaron's complaint, Headley is accused of being deliberately indifferent to conditions that pose a substantial risk of serious harm to prisoners, both from other prisoners and officers tasked with their care. Echoing Goodwin's allegations that Headley failed to act when presented with the inmate on inmate violence, Aaron asserts that the warden routinely failed to take any corrective measures or punitive actions against correctional officers who violate prisoners' rights. So, y'all, this list goes on and on and on. Uh, um, the Department of Justice found there to be an unconstitutional level of violence from inmate on inmates' attack and a pattern of excessive force by correctional officers inflicted on inmates at Staten and other correctional facilities in the state. But according to Aaron's suit, two years on, Despite this action, violence at Saddens continues to be unabated. Uh, Aaron's suit alleged that Headley presided over a brutal regime in which there were no consequences for wardens or officers who violate prisoners' rights. And he ultimately settled out of court. So the stats for the DOJ's uh, July 2020 investigation elevate stamp uh, prisons for men are eye-opening. From 2016 through 2018, the violence due to overcrowding and understaffing at Stan was 20.5 times the national average, and that's a lot. Wow. The, the report states Alabama routinely violates the constitutional rights of prisoners housed in Alabama's prisons by failing to protect them from prisoner-on-prisoner violence and prisoner-on-prisoner sexual abuse and by failing to provide safe and sanitary conditions. In addition, the department found chronic overcrowding led to the violence that escalated and prompted frequent use of excessive force by correctional officers. In short, in Alabama's prisons, cruel treatment of prisoners is common and de-escalation techniques are regularly ignored. According to the DOJ's report into the Alabama system, it is practically set up to allow any such failures to slide. Headley had been warden across at least three correctional facilities in Alabama in the past 10 years. And the report goes on and says, and because wardens' decisions to take corrective action are not reviewed, a DFC systems enables any warden who wants to avoid leadership scrutiny to do so by refusing to refer to incidents 
and uh, in, in Intelligence Investigation Division. The ADOC is investigating William's death. His, his father, like we told y'all last week, Terry's uh, his father Terry and the mother Tammy and stepmother Taylor Bostic have all spoken out against heinous violence allegedly inflicted on their son, and none of his loved ones believe it was an overdose. Instead, his father Terry last week revealed it to be the focus of his final furious conversation with Headley. Terry said, I called the warden and I cussed him. I said, dude, you know this is not an overdose case. You know exactly what happened. How is this crap going to happen like this? Well, and like I told y'all last week, Headley says, well, it's under investigation right now. And that's the last time the dad ever talked to the warden. Well, let me tell you this. We do a lot of research on uh, prisons and prison wardens. And, uh, this is uh, common. These yeah. lawsuits, uh, yeah, all lawsuits. prisoners have to do in prison is complain and bitch right. and and file lawsuits against I, I, wardens. I, I have a newsflash for this prisoners: prisons are not nice places. No, and you shouldn't have been climbing through your grandma's woman's window and stealing her television or raping her or whatever you got doing. I mean, I hate to sound harsh on them, but. You put yourself there. Well, but for one state to have a 20 times the average stat is a lot. But being able to prove it, and like Jim said, you know, they just they file lawsuits all day long. And, and they're always against the wardens. And, right. and, and, uh, and the, you know, the every inmate claims that the treatment is too harsh. Right. You know, it, it, uh, it's should, amazing how common those lawsuits are. Hmm? They should have stayed home. Yeah. Right. Is Alabama, uh, is their prison system sort of known to be I heard particularly brutal? I think, or? I think this is just because somebody, there's 40 lawsuits filed. Look, this kid dying, that's, that's sad and it's horrible, but you know what? Prisoners are not full of church going uh, angels, right? I mean, you go to prison, you certainly have a higher risk of being murdered or raped than you do if you're sitting in the studio. Right. Well, let's go from a prison in Alabama to a guy getting out of prison in South Africa. Remember Oscar Pistorius? Yep. Blade Runner, they called him. Um, Just to refresh a little bit, he's been in jail since 2013 when he was convicted for the death of his then girlfriend, whose name is Reva Steenkamp. He was first convicted of culpable homicide. So the first time they tried him, they did not convict him of murder. And if you remember, this was the weird thing where he claimed to think there was an intruder in the apartment and they were in the bathroom and he couldn't see into the room, but knew they were in uh, behind a, uh, behind a wall. He fired four shots uh, in uh, killing uh, steam camp, but claiming that he believed it was an intruder. And so they, they first found this culpable homicide, um, you know, which is basically that, uh, that, you know, he has to take some responsibility for it because he fired four times. And, uh, but as he was being released on that initial, uh, 
conviction, the Supreme Court in South Africa found him guilty of murder. So he was supposed to get out in uh, like five years ago, in 2015, he was put on, uh, on on house arrest. So he was getting out early even. And, uh, and then the Supreme Court uh, overturned his culpable homicide and convicted him of murder, which, uh, which required an additional 15 year um, sentence. But now he is being released early on uh, on good behavior and will be paroled. So according to the Department of Correction Services in South Africa, the parole board has set his release for January 5th, 2024. In a statement that they shared on Twitter, sorry, I don't say X, on Friday, the Department of Correctional Services said Pistorius will be monitored by authorities until his sentence expires. Parole placement forms part of the total rehab program and correcting offending behavior and may include continuing uh, programs aimed at reintegration whilst the system is of community corrections. Uh, per the BBC, Pistorius will also have to attend therapy sessions, according to Steen Camp's family's spokesperson. Uh, according to her mother, June, she said that uh, she had sent a letter to the parole board ahead of Friday's hearing um, saying that she didn't oppose Pistorius's early release, but questioned whether he had truly dealt with his, quote, huge anger issues while he was in prison. She also added that she would potentially be, quote, concerned for the safety of any woman who comes into contact with Pistorius. So she did not attend Friday's hearing at the correctional facility, saying she can't muster the energy to face him ever again. And uh, uh, at this time, the Department of Corrections said that uh, – uh, that they would be reconsidering. So he's going to be out in January and we'll, we will see what happens with the Blade Runner. I think he's a little bit too old to be racing anywhere. And I don't think they're going to allow him to do anything he like probably that. probably won't make the Olympus this year. All right. Yep. It's parole for him. There you got it. All right. Look. Traffic stops, Woody Everton. No such thing as routine anymore. Uh, the routine ones are the ones that get you killed because you got complacent. Well, Memphis, Tennessee, a 43-year-old man with a criminal history faces some charges after he bit part of a police officer's ear off during a traffic stop this week. A Memphis, Tennessee officer noticed Marcus Johnson and a female passenger in a 2002 Ford F-150 when the officer looked up the vehicle tags, they were registered to another car. Imagine that. Mm-hmm. So Johnson tossed a brown leather patch on the ground, uh, and the officer went up to him. Johnson provided car information that did not verify his identity, and as the police officer tried to apprehend Johnson, he strangled him and bit a piece of his right ear off. And it's just like you always say, the once you try to – Try to put the handcuffs on. That's right. when that's when things turn ugly. Right. Johnson then hit the police officer multiple times in the face and stomach area. Johnson even took the officer's holster to get his gun and his taser. So he took it off of the waist of the officer. That's crazy. Uh, the officer eventually took Johnson into custody and recovered the leather pouch. And guess what? The officer found marijuana, fentanyl, methamphetamine, ecstasy, and Xanax inside that pouch. 
Johnson and the officer were subsequently transported to the hospital for treatment. Officers later learned that Johnson had been driving even though his license had been revoked and he did not have proof of insurance. The district attorney's office said Johnson had other felony drug charges from a 2022 case, and they advocated for his bond to be revoked. Uh, The judge ultimately revoked that bond in the 2022 case and increased his bond to $500,000 for attempted second-degree murder charge from the assault on the officer. Good for them. And the Shelby County District Attorney said in a statement, when I saw how he had been a fugitive for about a year from a prior charge, I instructed our prosecutors to not only seek a high bond, but revoke bond outright. The defendant has already proved he can't be trusted. I'm glad the judge agreed. And, of course, he remains in jail. You get your ear bit off without filling a guy full of lead. But I wasn't there, so. How did he get his? So the Johnson got his holster and his gun, and then he. Well, he didn't get his gun. Back. the The good thing about these holsters and and uh, I don't want to tip them off That's too right. much, but it's triple retention. They they don't know how to. Do you can't just pull them out of the holster. There's a way in which you have right. to maneuver that gun to pull it out, and so he managed to get his belt off. Yeah. They wrestling, and he managed to. Somehow get that belt the, off and grab the whole stuff. The belt actually goes over your daily belt, and you have loops that snatch the, your duty belt to that belt to hold it up. So I don't, I don't know. And this has been a hell of a fight. Yeah. <laughs> He's lucky to be alive, and that dude's really lucky to be alive because it had been me. I'd have shot him. Um, so, y'all, it's another kind of update on the story I shared before Thanksgiving, and even though we didn't know the – name of the man involved. Um, we never thought the government would come after him. But a Los Angeles homeowner who has who had his concealed carry weapon license revoked after using a gun to fend off armed attackers at his home may have a little recourse to get his permit back. In their terms, in conditions agreement, the Los Angeles Sheriff's Department grants itself virtually limitless unchecked discretion discretion to revoke a constitutional right over just about anything at any time. That's according to Amy Swear, a senior legal fellow at the Heritage Foundation. At issue in this case, in the case of an L.A. resident and married father, uh, Vince Ricci, who earlier this month was forced into a gunfight when two armed men jumped the fence of his gated community and attempted to force their way in his front door. Ricci Concerned for the safety of his wife and five-month-old daughter and the family's nanny, fought back, first with a hot cup of tea he was holding his hand, and then he got into a firefight with him, y'all. The um, surveillance footage captured the dramatic scene unfolding, showing the intruders retreating from Richie's gunfire, with one hopping back over the fence and another running around a car in the driveway. But... Reese told Fox News Digital last week that the response to the heroin incident has been for authorities to target him, calling him to inform him that he's, his concealed care license has been revoked as a result of him yelling while they attempted to investigate the incident three days later. After successfully def- defending my home and my family and my five-month-old child, California has now decided to spend my Second Amendment rights, uh, Reese said. A sheriff's office spokesperson said the agency recognizes the ordeal was extremely traumatic and startling for the Reese family, and they hope the individuals responsible for this crime are arrested and held accountable. The sheriff's office 
uh, added the Department of Justice established the guidelines for the concealed permits, and the Sheriff's Department must follow the DOJ's parameters in accordance with the law. The DOJ has been notified, and there are avenues for Mr. Reese to reapply for his permit. We have been in contact with the Reese family and have been providing information to them about the CCW protocols and guidelines in an effort to ensure the Second Amendment rights are protected, the spokesperson said. The Sheriff's Department respects the rights of individuals to exercise their Second Amendment rights and continually process over thousands of CCW permit applications and renewals every year. Um, and, you know, y'all, the, the, part of that process that um, – they are able to diligently track, process, and manage individuals who possess the, the permits. But Swearer argued it is completely unclear what the DOJ guidelines and the Sheriff's Department could be referring to, questioning whether the department would have any role in the decision to revoke Reese's permit. And y'all just go on and on to argue it. But it says, but to my knowledge, the only place where such policies are found with respect to the automatic revocation of a CCW license isn't in the DOJ guidelines or state law, but in additional terms and conditions agreements for the sheriff's office requires all applicants to sign. And not only are these terms and conditions not required by California DOJ or by state law, but the sheriff's office is one of only a few jurisdictions that impose them. So the um, swear noted that the California law enforcement agencies are responsible for issuing the CCW permits and that they have a broad discretion over most aspects of issuing and revoking them. And given California strict gun laws and the discretion given to state law enforcement agencies, swears question what recourse the homeowner has to regain his Second Amendment rights. Uh, I don't know. I mean, like Louisiana, you can just carry it open. You don't have to have the the CCW permit. Uh, But they do have guidelines for it, and if you— Think you violated it? I know they have hearings and, and ways to go back at it. Well, okay, so this was a major story, national story. There's video that shows everything that happened. Had uh, Richie not had the gun on him, good chance he's dead, good chance his wife and the child are dead. And so who looks at his actions during this and, and decides that punitive action has to be taken again. I, I just, I, don't it, know. Yeah, I guess them running away and him still shooting or whatever they, they're saying that that violates whatever agreement he signed the state account. Well, sheriff's office has, um, no, great. I mean, I'd rather, Hey, I'm him. I'd rather be tried by 12 than carried by six. Uh-huh. Right, there's no doubt. And you actually bring up a good point and because that's the law in most states is uh you know, you you're allowed to use just enough force to keep yourself safe. So if you pull out a gun and someone turns around and runs and you shoot them in the you back shoot them in the back, yeah. You're going to jail. Yeah. Well, but they were shooting still. Yeah, I don't I haven't I haven't seen the video. I'm just I'm just making a comment to what he said, which was uh, if they were running away and you continue to shoot, that would be a uh, a law yeah. violation. They're Not probably, that I agree with it, but yeah. that's... They're probably going to give him his license back anyway. The, um, if I was him, I wouldn't worry about it. I'd just take that misdemeanor charge and carry it anyway. 
Yeah, I mean, sort yeah. of sounds like the give me, give me a ticket. It sort of sounded like the sheriffs are being forced to do something uh, that they don't maybe feel too good about doing. Right. But yeah, you know, I don't think but the, the state of California probably doesn't want uh, forty million citizens in their state going out to get guns after uh, after watching this and. Uh, and they're trying to make an example of the guy. I, the, I, don't, I don't know. Let the crime rate would go way down. If I, if I had <laughs> yeah, it chance. would, except uh, King Newsom doesn't think that way. Do you guys know what May 12th is? Sunday, May 12th? Mama's Day. That would be correct. It's Mother's Day. So let me ask you, do you basically get your mom the same gift every year for Mother's Day? Maybe some flowers, some chocolates, mm-hmm. maybe a robe or a framed photo. Right. Boring stuff, Right. Right. Well, let me tell you about something that's totally cool and different for Mother's Day that will never wilt, spoil, or put an extra 10 pounds around her waist. I'm talking about mylifeinabook.com. It's a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book. Pretty unique. Cool, right? Right. Here's how it works. Every week, mylifeinabook.com will send her a question via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions you wish to ask. Your mom can either type a response to the email or she can record her voice if she prefers to do that, or she can do both. And mylifeinabook.com then compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book as well as an audio book. And if you want, and she's up to the task technically, you know, the audio book is a great extra thing to be able to do. Imagine discovering stories about her youth, adventures, and the challenges she overcame. This book becomes a legacy, something you and your future generations can treasure. Your mom's given you a lifetime of stories. This is kind of your chance to give her a way to share them. Every family's a little bit different, and in my family, we love to give each other a really hard time. So I've taken the approach in doing this of asking my mom to comment on some of those family moments that might be a bit embarrassing to other family members. Last week, my question was, mom, did you feel guilty that day you hit me over the head with your wooden clog and dad had to take me to the hospital for eight stitches? (laughs) Mom's response, back in the day, I was the disciplinarian of the house. And when you were eight years old, you refused to get out of Nancy's, that's my sister's, plastic kiddie pool. I told you 10 times to get out of the damn pool. You didn't listen. So I chased you around the yard. And when you slipped, I nailed you right on the head. That was the last time you got in that kiddie pool. Of course, dad had to lie to the ER and tell him that uh, that you fell on your head, but I nailed you good. The entire process with my life in a book is simple, and in the end, mom will have a great keepsake that can remain in your family for generations. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code RLRC at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com and use code RLRC for 10% off today. Hey, y'all, my wife's biggest struggle this past year was fighting the symptoms associated with menopause, hot flashes, mild mood swings, and sleeplessness. She had them all until she tried Hormone Harmony. She was amazed at how much Hormone Harmony reduced her symptoms and supported her mood and her general well-being. Hormone Harmony is not just a supplement for women going through perimenopause, menopause, or postmenopause. It's become a phenomenon. Women cannot stop talking about it on social media. A bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. 
Now, here's the beauty about adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors like chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. So hormone harmony isn't just for menopause. Any woman with symptoms of hormonal imbalances can take it. But it's perfect for those horrible menopause symptoms that put a woman's life on hold. Hot flashes and night sweats, racing thoughts and low moods, poor sleep and feeling tired all the time, occasional bloating and gas, No desire to be in bed next to someone, if you know what I mean. Yeah, Hormone Harmony can help with all of these things. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code RLRC at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code RLRC for 15% off today. Tiffany Haddish. Don't know her. Fans? Nope. No. Nope. Couldn't pick her out of a lineup? Nope. Couldn't do it. Okay. Uh, kind of there with them. I mean, I could pick her out of a lineup. She's been in some things. She does stand up. She's a funny lady. Uh, but <laughs> apparently she's got an issue with getting uh, intoxicated, operating a vehicle, and then falling asleep in the vehicle mm. on roadways. Not a good idea. Not a good idea. So according to the Beverly Hills Police Department, the actress who is 43 was arrested on Friday morning and is currently facing a DUI charge after she allegedly fell asleep behind the wheel of the car. Authorities said that they received a call around 545 a.m. local time about a woman who was stopped in the middle of Beverly Drive while the vehicle was still running. Officers Rosewood and Taggart arrived on scene to find Haddish stopped in the middle of the busy Beverly Hill Street. Okay, this is our first day back from vacation, Thanksgiving. And so the fact that they didn't pick up on the officers Rosewood and Taggart in the Beverly Uh, Hills Police uh, Department. Like Eddie Murphy. Uh, Yeah. I get it now. Hell, I thought there were. <laughs> I could have pulled the banana in the tailpipe trick on both of you guys today and gotten away with it. Uh, the vehicle appeared to have a banana coming out of its tailpipe that Haddish claimed was put there by a man named Axel Foley. Rosewood and Taggart were unable to locate Foley, and there are no other witnesses who validate their story. That's bullshit, folks. Sorry. According to the Beverly Hills Police Department, Haddish is expected to be released later today. Um, she was uh, uh, TMZ was the first to report this story, and they said that Haddish had performed at the Laugh Factory on Sunset the night before, meaning actually that night. She's found at five o'clock in the morning. So she did a uh, stand up routine and on Sunset and uh, probably was imbibing during that routine and kept it going because there was a a 43rd annual fundraiser that was being held at the Laugh Factory that night. So she was there for a while and who knows what that led to uh, uh, next. But Haddish's recent arrest comes after the stand-up comedian and Girls Trip, that was her biggest movie star, was arrested for another DUI-related incident back in January of 2022. At the time, she was, this is in Atlanta, she was arrested by Peachtree City Police for a suspected DUI 
an improper stopping on a roadway. So this is a thing with her. According to authorities, officers received a 911 call around 2.30 a.m. local time. So that was a earlier night for her, that a driver who had allegedly fallen asleep at the wheel on Highway 74. I'm not familiar with Highway 74 in Atlanta, but I do know uh, Beverly Boulevard pretty well. And I mean, it's even at 530 in the morning, not a place you want to just have a car sitting in the middle of the middle of the street with a person passed out. Uh, Officers located a car that matched the description from the 911 call and conducted a traffic stop. Subsequent investigation led to Ms. Tiffany Haddish being arrested for driving under the influence, according to police, and she was brought to the Fayette County Jail without incident. She's due in court on December 4th for the Beverly Hills case, according to TMZ. Um, This reminds me of uh, an incident that occurred back when I was living there where I had a buddy who shall remain nameless who uh, had a little bit too much to drink and should have never been behind the wheel, got on the 405 freeway, which major, major freeway in LA and gets pulled over. And the officer comes to his window and says, uh, how fast do you think you were going? And he says, I don't remember the number he said, but uh, I don't know, 70, 75. And the officer goes, six. Mm. Six miles an hour. Six miles an hour on the 405 he was going. Uh, Probably just as dangerous, maybe even more dangerous than going, uh, uh, you know, 40 miles over the the speed limit. So, uh, Tiffany, be careful out there. You're making a fortune. Get yourself a driver. Too uh, many options outside of driving yourself drunk. And, you know, with our lifestyle, um, I mean – alcohol is readily available right when you're when you're at comedy shows and you're a comedian sure it's part of it like you said yeah well and it may be good for a show but have the have the common sense to you certainly have the money to call an uber get yeah. in yeah. you know or get a friend to drive he usually has an entourage around her i would think yeah i don't know interesting make smarter decisions that's for sure you can now take off that belt and move freely around the cabin. It's my high crime time. Happy Thanksgiving, Tiffany. A disgruntled Frontier Airlines, uh, well, many disgruntled Frontier <laughs> Airlines passengers Get online. were in for a sight on a recent flight where a woman tried to pull down her pants and relieve herself mid-trip. And it was all caught on video. That's sure. what we love because we can show it to all of you. The female passenger who has not been named publicly had the courtesy to say, sorry, everybody, before she appeared to pull down her pants, squat in the aisle on the Monday flight from Florida to Philadelphia. This was last Monday. The woman apparently wanted to relieve herself in the aisle after a flight attendant told her she could not use the restroom at the time. <laughs> hey, I get it. Show you. <laughs> what don't, am I supposed to don't, do? Don't say that to an Eagles fan. <laughs> Perhaps not surprisingly, the situation got ugly when surrounding passengers protested, prompting the woman to yell back, I don't give a fuck. Fuck you. I got to pee. Oh, <laughs> she gave to the pressure, however, and pulled her pants back up before continuing to insist the flight attendant led her into the plane bathroom. At one point, the person behind the camera recording the confrontation can be heard saying, that poor boy next to us, seemingly <laughs> referring to the young boy across the aisle who was afforded a graphic view of the display. Uh. 
The woman also continued fighting with several other passengers toward the back of the plane, though it's unclear if she was traveling with them. Um, Matthew Hartman and I had the most awful experience flying home from Florida this afternoon. Uh, Vichelle Hartman, the person who took the video, wrote on Facebook of the woman's antics. A passenger was upset that she was required to sit in her assigned seat and decided to pull her pants down right in front front of two children. I literally had a front row seat to the spectacle. She threatened to kill another passenger. This all claimed uh, by the lady. She threatened me, and I told her to sit down. I hope she's arrested and banned from flying again. We will definitely post that said video on the Facebook page. So follow Real Life or Crime Daily to get this video and more stories nice. we cover nice. here. Wow. How about that for a mile high crime? Hey, yeah. man, when you got to go, you got to go. I'm sure there's going to be a lot after Thanksgiving week. Uh, yeah. You know, there were a lot of people weighing in on that lady who uh, sang gospel on the yeah, plane. Yeah, I saw the, that. So. the one, uh, I think you did that last week or maybe was, it was the week before. Yeah, she she got she, most people want her to sit down. Right. Yeah, that was saying. like ninety nine percent saying uh, shut that. You know what? Up yeah. and uh, uh, you know play your uh, sing your songs when you're on stage, not on the plane. That's right. right. Yeah. Nothing like a kinky crime to bring you crimes for bring you into post Thanksgiving. No one would be food. kinky over Thanksgiving. Oh uh, yeah, listen to this one. So a video has been released of the shocking moment a personal trainer flew into a fit of rage after finding his wife cheating on him with a homeless man. Oh, that's and always Alves, And Walter Standards. Alves. Standards. Right. And Walter Alves, well, you can see the pictures of him, walks up to a parked car and peeks through the windshield only to see his partner inside with another man. Enraged, he slams his fist on the glass before opening the car door and climbing inside to give the man a beating. Mm. Right? The wife, who is an avid churchgoer, later told a friend <laughs> she had received a message from God to help the homeless person. <laughs> and according to reports, Mr. Alvis' wife had left home to help a man she noticed living on the street. Eduardo later tried contacting his wife, but she was not answering her phone. First trainer later found the car his wife had left home in by a primary school. And after approaching the vehicle, he came across the jaw-dropping scene. Mr. Alves <laughs> told the police that he first thought it was a rape he was witnessing through the windshield. However, his wife told officers that the relations she was having with the man at the time were, in fact, consensual. Ah. She told the cops she enjoyed helping vulnerable people through the <laughs> church she attends. <laughs> and she allegedly later told a friend she had received a message from God to help the homeless man she was caught with. The homeless man was taken to the hospital with bruises and two black eyes, and he is said to be recovering well from the injuries he sustained, and Mr. Alves was arrested for assault. And look at these pictures. Yeah, we're going to post these online. Let me tell you, Mr. Alves, you don't want to mess that's, with, that's first dude, of all. Right? That right. is a jacked, and, incredible Hulk-looking sucker. homeless man had to think he won the lottery. Yeah, and, and his wife's right. absolutely right. beautiful. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> The, he was yeah. like, she was like, can I help you? He's like, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she was like, God I, told me. I, I don't me. know what to say, to say about, about that. that. The winner in this story was a homeless man, even right. if he got his ass kicked. Yeah, he's got his black eyes. Yeah. Uh, that's right. Well, <laughs> that was crazy. You know, as jacked as, what's his name, the husband? 
Uh, Alves. Mr. Alves. Alves. Okay. Eduardo. Okay. If Eduardo, you know, found her with, you know, some local, uh, you know, business person, you know, who had a shit ton of money or whatever, something like that, he, you know, maybe could emerge with his self-esteem intact from something like that. But finding her doing it with a homeless guy? I don't know. I don't know. He looks like he'd be eating by his ass. So. I mean, that's, do you guys watch uh, Shameless? You ever watch Shameless? Uh, oh, so. it's great. great. It's like 10 year uh, Showtime series. But uh, William H. Macy is basically a homeless guy named yeah. Frank Gallagher in the series. And so I'm picturing that guy finding Frank Gallagher uh, having sex with his wife and he would. Uh, Homeless or not, I don't think that's the guy that you want to find uh, you yeah. if you're with his wife. Yeah, no. Could you hey! <laughs> Knocking on that window? Oh, yeah. That is an That's your husband? <laughs> Definitely need a, need a picture of the either. homeless guy there. Oh, man. Scary. All right. A Florida man wanted by the cops tried to throw them off his trail. Mm. He did it by placing a big sign outside his house that read, Johnny Yates does not live here. Surprise, surprise. It did not work. Yates, who is 41, was wanted by the Polk County Sheriff's Office on aggravated battery, false imprisonment, and tampering charges. He was eventually locked up. You got to get up pretty early in the morning if you're going to get a leg up on the Polk County Sheriff Grady Judd Mm -hmm. and his deputies. And this guy was simply not up to the task. He wasn't in their league, you might say. Deputies showed up at Yates's Lakeland home at around 2.45 p.m. on Saturday after receiving a tip that he was holed up inside. When the deputies arrived, they noticed a note written on dry erase board in front of a window that said, Johnny Johnny Gates does not live here. Um, (laughs) uh, A dry erase board. Um, The deputies questioned someone uh, leaving the house who confirmed that Yates was inside. But after surrounding the house for an hour and calling for the fugitive to come out, cops had to take it to the next level. Enough was enough. And the surrender smoke was dispensed inside the house and four people exited the home, but still no Johnny. So a second round of surrender smoke was put in, yet still no response from Johnny. Finally, deputies sent in Dexter. The Polk County canine Dexter entered the house and located Johnny, who was hiding in a modified chest of drawers. His strategy was the sign and hiding in a chest of drawers. He was arrested and taken to jail. The office said the four people who were initially holed up in the house with Yates were also dealt with, which... Sheriff Judd doesn't have to explain what that means. In regards to the four people who weren't cooperating with the deputies, each one received a parting gift, a charge of resisting and an all-expense-paid trip to Grady Judd's bed and breakfast. Polk County Sheriff Grady Judd, that is. I want to give a shout-out to Shauna Drina, a listener who works in Polk County who volunteered to pick us up an authentic Sheriff Grady Judd sheriff on a shelf for the holidays. Yeah, so she is sweetie. We appreciate that. I saw that post putting that in the mail and I'm sure that'll be 
prominently displayed around here. And uh, these d dumbasses didn't know who they were dealing with. And uh, the strategy of the uh, the sign saying you don't, uh, yeah. you don't live here is not the sharpest. Dumb indeed. Banjos for them. Sometimes we say WTF, and sometimes we just say, yeah, <laughs> and this is one that just had me going, what? Why? Uh, this comes out of Ascension Parish, Louisiana, and an overwhelming number of vandalism cases is causing big problems for public bathrooms at parks and facilities in that parish. The vandalism cases have happened in recent months. Just about every weekend, one of the 22 parks is either destroyed, vandalized, or somebody tries to burn it down, said James LeBlanc, the safety and security director for Ascension Parish. According to LeBlanc, the vandalism cases have racked up nearly $100,000 in damages during a period of just two years. He added that there has been a uh, damage to bathrooms, windows, and picnic tables. Because of the ongoing problems, crews will now lock all public restrooms at parks and other facilities. The bathrooms will only be open during uh, parish-sponsored events. The closures could last until measures can be put in place to catch and prosecute those responsible for the vandalism. Uh, the, the city added that they can't afford to continue to keep spending time and resources making repairs. We can't continue to afford to pay for damage. Uh, but the amount of time and effort and labor it takes for a rec team to come here every Monday and clean up is ridiculous. That from LeBlanc. That's correct. Why? Yeah, nothing better. WTF. Yes. Now you have to close all your public park right. restrooms right. because somebody wants to go in there and just damage be the a, piping. Be an asshole. Just be an asshole. Be an asshole. So the lesson to that story is don't be an asshole. Exactly. And that is your WTF. WTF. And that brings us to a close of today's show. Sorry it was late, folks. Yeah, sorry. We, we love you all and appreciate each and every one of you. Please continue to like and share and all that good podcaster stuff. And Mike, any final thoughts? Put some cameras in those state parks and catch these idiots. Yeah, there you go. It's true, too. Maybe they'll do that. Put them up in the trees or something where they can't right. get to them. Right. Game cans. They make those, yeah. So until next time, I'm Jim Chapman. And I'm Woody Overton. I'm Mike Agavino. Your host of Real Life, Real Crime Daily. Peace. Aglets. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.